Yes, hello everyone. How's it going? What's the crack? My name is Michael and welcome back to a brand new episode of the McLaugh podcast. And this is the, the Premier League season review. I had uh, back in August, I had the, the season preview and now it's time to, to admit my mistakes in public. But uh, I'm not doing it on my own. Um, I'm joined by another guest today. I'm joined by one half of the ASAP podcast and one half of the ASAP Euro sidecast, Mr. Adam Casey. Adam, what's the crack? Much, mate. What about yourself? Yeah, keeping good, keeping good. Uh, this past season for yourself would have been quite enjoyable uh, as a West Ham fan. If you if you could sum that up in a couple of words, how are you feeling? Shocked. Shocked. Uh, overwhelmed. And I'm a bit. I, I just really don't know what to say because I've never experienced it anything like this before. As you can probably how West Ham have been shaped for the last twenty years. So. Do you want to? Uh, we'll start off just before we get into this episode, talk a little bit about your um, your West Ham fandom and how that come about because it's quite odd. Um, you, you know, I wouldn't say knocking around Lurgan and the surrounding areas that there are many, not none, but many West Ham fans. How did that come about? Yeah, uh, well, when I was about say like seven or eight, I sort of just followed any football team that I liked the top. Yeah, like I like them, I like their top. I support them, but. First time I ever sat down and watched full match was West Ham beat Chelsea in 2003. Paul De Canio ripped Chelsea apart. Class. Something just clicked. And then about, I'd say about a year later, my dad was walking in London and he bought me a West Ham top and I was, that was really it. That's been it ever since. Yep. So, uh, as I said, we're going, we're going to go through the past season. We're going to go through... Um, my predictions that I did back in August, and some of which, um, some of which were all right, some of which I will put my hands up and admit that I'm quite ashamed of. Um, I, I don't think you had us too high up anyway. You'll hear where I had you in a minute, and um, I'll be lucky if you stay on this call uh, for the remainder. But uh, as I said, you have your own podcast, the ESA podcast that you do alongside Sean. Do you want to do you want to give it a bit of promo just before we get started? I so. Uh... Going well, we're about 23 or 4, 24 episodes in now. Uh, we decided to branch out a bit and do a Euro sidecast because we we're getting a lot of people saying, listen, I don't like football. And we're trying to cater to everybody. Yeah. And then we've launched that episode 2 will be recorded in Wednesday. And then we'll, we're also going to launch every month. We're going to have somebody come on and talk about mental health. Oh, we'll Mental health podcast as well. So we just had a week talk about that. And we've got... Yes, I lined up for that for the next three months. So happy days! By that sounds so brilliant. That's a that's a that's a really good idea, and uh, I would encourage anybody that's listening to this episode to go and give the lads uh, a listen and a follow. And that segues nicely into the uh, the social. So am I right in saying it's ASAP underscore podcast? It is. Yes, that's right. We we more mainly use Instagram more than any other platform. In the, the most attraction and most engagement there yeah so you can find us on facebook as well facebook and instagram and uh, from myself it's at the mclaugh podcast on instagram and at michael Lavery 98 on twitter so this is where um i was going to call it my dirty laundry but that's not it i'll earn the shame um for, for, for the people to know um and we'll start at the bottom because it's 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 the worst of the whole lot and um We'll we'll go back to the the three teams that I predicted would get relegated from the Premier League this season. Um, 
Now, bear in mind, it's going to take a lot of guts to actually say these three teams out loud. But we'll we'll start. Um, we'll start. I I said West Brom would go down, so you know we can take that one off. That was alright. Uh, um, I, I think I'd to go down as well. I also said Brighton, just because it's sort of been hovering around that sort of relegation zone, um, for the past couple of seasons, and they always seem to pull off the, the miraculous escape or recovery towards the end, and I just thought, you know, the luck might run out because I thought Scotty Parker would have rallied Fulham enough to keep them up, but that wasn't to be. Um, and unfortunately, um, West Brom weren't the only team in my bottom three that began with West. <laughs> Oh, you got that one wrong. So the team that are now playing European football next season, West Ham United, I predicted will be relegated from the Premier League. And then Man United fans wonder why I give them so much shit. Uh, well, I'm not particularly a good advert now for anybody that likes to wear the red of Manchester. Um, so while I have you here, I'd like to wholeheartedly apologise to any West Ham fans <laughs> listening. I'd like to wholeheartedly apologize for my sincere lack of judgment this was based on the as you'll know yourself the poor run of form to end last season and all of a sudden jesus Moyes, i mean david Moyes, uh pulls them from the dirt and you'll be booking a few flights hopefully to get away somewhere next year well hopefully get over the home european game because i'd like to see Mark Noble's last season, so I'd like to see him lead us out on a European night. I would have loved it in the Champions League, but that was fighting off one of the two there, to be honest. That was, that was a bit um, of a pipe dream. It was. Uh, you touched on something there, though. The fur run of form was mostly until Moyes came in. See, see yeah. after lockdown? Lockdown was the best thing ever happened with West Ham, to be honest, because oh, Moyes got time with us. And like, we thought, like, Mick Antonio would have nine goals in nine games or something to keep us us there like so we'll rally the rally the bot and then obviously we'll get on to West Ham later on but yeah no West West Brom and Brighton I'm not I'm not too ashamed in those because I mean they're they're sort of relegation fodder. They're a mix of you know eight or nine teams that are in the same bracket. Even including you know some of those teams would be in the championship at the minute the likes of Bournemouth and stuff, Watford, Norwich, all those teams that are up and down and up and down. It's um it, I don't have too much shame on that, but whenever I went back and listened to, to my preview episode and realised what it actually said, uh, my own jaw hit the floor. So before I move on, I can only once again absolutely 100% apologise and I'll not do it again. Well, so, it makes you feel any better. I had a sad thing, so very good. <laughs> I didn't have much feelings. So you were only right, okay. That's dead on. That's made me. That's made me feel slightly better. <laughs> so, as I said, um, we'll go back up to the top end of the table. And I did. I predicted Man City. Um, not that it was a, a wild guess or anything. I said City would win the league. I didn't think Liverpool were going to hold on to their title just because I didn't think they did enough in the transfer window. And you know, that sort of came true. Obviously. They brought in good players and stuff, but it was their lack of depth. And when Van Dijk went down, that sort of the team fell asunder. Um, what was your sort of thoughts on, on the whole title race this season? Um, to be honest, I thought Liverpool would have kicked on and done it again. Uh, actually, with the way City started, I didn't think City started all that well. Yeah. And I thought right, Liverpool had to capitalise. And yes, Van Dijk getting injured was a big factor in them 
Oh, that was massive. Yeah. I think it was down. Right off the pitch, yes, there was problems. But that was later on this season with Pat's mum and Alison and dad and all. Obviously, that didn't help. But yeah. I just thought, with the 18-month Liverpool had, I just thought it became quite egotistical. I thought, well, look what we've done over the last couple of years. We're better than anybody. Uh, sort of the, me- like the mental the, side of it. Like, at the end of the day, Arsenal Villa beat them 7-2 when Van Dijk was still there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that's why I just think it was an ego thing. What do you what do you make of the suggestion uh, that the no fans in the stands impacted Liverpool more than any other team? Well, there's no doubt that Liverpool have one of, if not the most passionate fan base in English football. So yes, that, that could have played a factor because I've been downfield myself and it's an intimidating place to go as an away fan. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of that, People are saying West Ham done well because we had no fans, which because we're a very hostile crowd. Yeah. Partly uh, yes, I agree yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, Partly I agree as well. So the fans did have an impact on, I think, everything this season. Absolutely. But yes and no. So I can see what they mean. Liverpool have always relied on that sort of rallying cry from the cup and, you know, the, the lifting from the fans of the team on, on the field. But at the end of the day, you know, these lads are professional athletes and I know that might sound a bit naive of me sitting at home here um, not knowing that experience, but to go from Premier League winners to, as you say, with more or less their full-strength squad getting tossed about by Aston Villa, um, it just seems bizarre. And I suppose then when you say it out loud like that, for there to be such a, a change that the only real difference was the crowd, there was no crowd there, so yeah, it, it's, 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 it's odd to hear. City's never, never had fans anyway, so... Uh, well, yeah. it's ne- you know, the Addy has never been a scary place to go, unless, of course, you're Rio Ferdinand, you're going to get pinged on the forehead by a two-pence piece, but sure. <laughs> that's another matter. Nah, that, that's that's a story for a different day, but uh, so that, I, that's who I had um, at the top, that's who I had in the bottom three. I'll go on to then the uh, the individual awards um some of like uh, well i'll not say i was close on any of them i was you can't really be close when it's just a one player thing but for top goal score i had sergio aguero that just wasn't close at all the the eventual winner was harry kane uh, for assists i had bruno fernandez uh, which was close but of course once again the eventual winner was harry kane and for the golden glove for the clean sheets i had allison but uh, it, it turned out it was Addison. So what's sort of your, your thoughts on those predictions and, and those um, award winners? Um, I would have backed... I didn't really say Aguero myself, but I would have backed it as well because I had a feeling it was going to be his last season. Yes, it wasn't announced halfway through, but I had a feeling that he was on his way out. Yeah, this it? might be it. I thought maybe... Then obviously injuries hindered him as well. Uh, but Harry Kane's always in the conversation. Assists. I had Fernandez myself. I didn't think Harry Kane would turn into this uh, assist machine. Wizard. Yeah, I, I didn't see that coming at all, especially. I didn't have much faith in Tottenham doing anything this year. Only for Harry Kane, they could have been a lot worse. And Golden Glove. Yeah, I would have said Addison, probably. I felt like. Um... Like in having it, it felt a bit backward even at the time, but I just thought because of how good Liverpool's defense was, 
uh, even depict City as the league winners, but not their keeper as the Golden Glove winner. You know, it, it felt a bit strange, but just because of how good, as I said, that Liverpool defence had been, how good Allison had been, I thought they might have been in with a, or he might have been in with an odd chance of winning it again this year. Yeah, um, no, to be honest, this season was just so strange on so many levels. Uh, it was just hard to predict anything, to be honest. Obviously, yeah, everybody was going to pick their, their winner, and it was always going to be a team Liverpool and City, but in general, the whole season was just strange. I tell you how you know it was absolutely unpredictable, because uh, every week my bat slip was knocked off to the first half, if even the first 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I, 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 I haven't really done a bet. I've gone about two football bats this season. I just got fed up with I I was clinging on to hope. Me and my cousins did one, and we got sort of we got we got a decent amount each. Well, d- decent on on my scale. Like you know, I I wouldn't be a massive batter, so to get about a hundred pound or so back, I was I was absolutely delighted. But um, uh, that that sort of enticed me, and then for the rest of the season, like right, I've I've found my form, and clearly I hadn't because I got about one bat up then the rest of the season. But it it just it went to show the unpredictability the you know. Home form meant nothing away. Like I mean, United went unbeaten away all season, but were death at home. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. If um, you if you'd have said that at the start of the season, even with fans or no fans, it just sounds bizarre. It does. It does. It was just the year of um, like you couldn't predict anything. Next season, actually, I don't know. I just think football is so unpredictable, especially the league itself. Premier League is so competitive. Yeah. And with Chelsea sort of seemingly on. back in the fray now, um, under Thomas Tuchel, um, he sort of he's took Frank Lampard's squad and made it what Frank wanted it to be, but just never could, um, yeah, for uh, for them the to blamer. be, yeah, I've I've Chelsea to win everything next year to be honest. The whole lot. Well, I can buy. I can see them win the league and the domestic cups. Maybe not Europe again, but I just think Thomas Tuchel's just. He's just the right man for the job. He's going to take him to the next level. Like. Yeah. Um. Well, as I did for last season, I'll, I'll do a, a Premier League um, preview for next, for 2021-2022. Um, and I'll have to get you back on. And we'll get that in official, I don't want to say writing because it's not, but official audio recorded proof that that's who you're going Aye. for. That's who you're putting your neck on the line for. Uh, speaking of Chelsea, they're who I predicted to win the FA Cup. And unfortunately, they were beat at the final hurdle by uh, a resounding Leicester team. Uh, that that final, uh, Peter Schmeichel, no, Casper Schmeichel, uh, put in an absolutely fantastic performance towards the end uh, t- to keep Leicester ahead. And of course, VAR done Chelsea in as well, but th- that's a conversation for a different day. The best about that VAR decision was the fact that Ben Chilwell, who played for Leicester, ran away severe celebration kissing the badge one mantle and it was ruled out and yeah. then Leicester went on to win it that, was, that, uh, that was the uh, the sweetest dose of karma I think many people have seen in uh, in recent times oh, was brilliant. I it, it, it was it was great just to have that sort of final atmosphere back as well though wasn't it because you know obviously as we've been talking about their football have been without the fans for so long and then to hear Wembley absolutely rocking on FA Cup final day was just was I'm great. Lie, I got I got goosebumps. I came up, I got that chill that I haven't felt in a while. Even watching like my team play so well, I, I, I didn't get that chill. But that, that, that first game with the fans back was class. Just to watch. Even uh, me and my brother were sitting watching it. Now it's like I feel emotional watching this. Like. Yeah. Hopefully, we're not too far away from um, full capacity stadiums, and and next season will be 
there'll be a bit of atmosphere about the place. Fingers crossed, eh? So, we'll go back then. We'll uh, we'll go back to your team, your beloved um, Hammers. Um, this has been a season like no other uh, for many teams. It's been ups and downs and lefts and rights, curves ball, curveballs, you know, the likes of Van Dijk going down, um, United finding a bit of form, then losing the form. Chelsea Chelsea winning the Champions League, which I don't think is, is, is being talked about enough, the fact that Chelsea won the Champions League. But I'm going to assume that in uh, in your eyes and uh, in your heart, Adam, that that's not the biggest story from this season and that it has, in fact, been West Ham. Yeah. Um, I didn't go into the season with much optimism. Um, yes, David Moyes kept us up, but he's done it before, and the jury was still out on him. I, I've always been, I've always admitted that it was wrong when it came to this, but I was always one of the first people to be Moyes out when he came back. Yeah, it was like it, I just thought it was a lazy decision, it was a lazy choice, it was an easy option to bring him back in, but he just. My expectations were just blew away. Now, if you looked at our first six or seven games of the season, we had Liverpool, we had Chelsea, we had Man City, we had, and we lost our, and with Arsenal, we lost our first two games, and I thought, oh, here we go again. Yeah. It's going to be another season. And then it just exploded. It's, uh, something clicked. Yeah. It, it, was, it was weird to watch, because as the season went on, and I'm sure you'll agree, um, the tide started to turn in, in the sense of uh, it was no longer, oh, it's only West Ham to, oh, shit, we have to play West Ham here. Do you know what I mean? I think I might have said West Brom yeah. there. I mean West Ham, of course. Um, you know, the the sort of became this team. Yeah, I have friends who support bigger teams who were texting me before saying, oh, we've got Jews at the weekend. And, like, I was going into games against big teams like not read and watching it, if you know what I mean, which is yeah. very, very strange. A, a bit of optimism about you? Yeah, I, I had confidence going into it. It was, it was just mad. I suppose, I suppose I as a West Ham fan, you've never weekend. really had that, as a West Ham fan, you've never really had that experience or that sort of feeling going into a match with a, a so-called big six side that, uh, you know, hang on, we could actually maybe win this. The only time I've ever felt that optimism was when we had, the season we had tired and what a really good season. That man was a freak. He was a free kick machine. I was a snake at the end of yeah, but I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget the few years we had one. Uh, the free kicks were phenomenal. But uh, that, that was really the last season I, I felt optimistic about West Ham, which was this next this season even sweeter because it was the last season at Upton Park and then we left and we just became absolute, for lack of a better term, dog shit. Yeah. For the best part of the last five years, like. Uh, how much of that do you put on the moving of the stadium? And I mean, uh, the London Stadium, it's, uh, if we're telling the truth, like it's not the best football stadium. Do you know what I mean? I mean, no. from where from where they were to where they went, it's a massive change. I, I don't sort of, I don't wholeheartedly disagree with the, with the idea of us upgrading our stadium. Yeah. The board rushed into it a bit. They've done a lot of different things to make it better. Obviously, it looks like a football stadium in Italy. Yeah. They were the running track around it and the big distance. Like, I've been there once and 
I just call it. The... Yeah. Solar, which is, I suppose, it's probably the best way of describing it. To be honest, yeah, it, it, in stadiums like that, I find it difficult for fans and for teams to sort of generate atmosphere. You know, if you watch, say, for example, you watch the Olympics, you know, the, the those sort of events are never really rocking. Do you know what I mean? So to, to yeah. convert those into a, like a football atmosphere, it just doesn't seem. Uh, not that it's impossible, but uh, the transition just doesn't seem all, all that easy. No, and if, if you look at it in comparison to Upton Park, like the fans weren't happy. Oh yeah, and it was an it was an intimidating place to go play football. And uh, I can't put it all down to moving the stadium because, like other teams have done it and they've done all right. It's the main reason I have, and still until the day they, they leave our club, I'm gold brain Sullivan out. Like I'm just completely want that board out yeah they just there's no place in the football club and that's that's the only gripe I have with West Ham at the moment I mean from a United standpoint as well you know the feeling is shared of not um, not being comfortable with the hands that your club's in but uh, you you this season you've done well for yourselves regardless of who's, who's at the top and um, you've, you've secured that European football what's your First of all, what's your hopes, your, your your sort of fantasy idea of the whole thing, and then what do you think your realistic expectations are come next season? Well, going forward, right, my hopes, I've, I've three main hopes. Hold on to Suchak and hold on to Rice will be with the top two priority. Yeah. Because no doubt after the season they've had, people are going to come sniffing. And Rice being a Chelsea fan and Mason Mount being his best mate terrifies me. Yeah. The fact that he may go back to Chelsea. Suchak, like the man's a machine. I wouldn't be surprised if people start sniffing around him. But the main thing we need is proper investment and not cheap signings. Like last year, David Boyce got more of a grip and the players he brought in was brown. He's brought in Bowen. He's brought in he brought in Jesse Lingard. He brought in he brought in Suchak, he brought in Sukal. Great signings. The board need to back him. And get with, with no depth, we can't depend on Mike Antonio. The man has hamstrings like cheese strings. <laughs> like we can't expect him to be playing Thursday night football along with Premier League football and everything else in between with one striker. It's not feasible. So we need to be back. Realistic expectations. Last sixteen, I'll be happy with. That uh, that would be something uh, I think. Yeah, because like at the end of the day. We're not used to playing these extra games. Do you so, think that? Do you think that pressure will get the Moise? Uh, the sort of uh, do you use like an American phrase like that load management? I don't think no. I don't think Moise is the type to feel pressure. He's like look. He's went through dark stages in his own career. He brought Everton to as far as he could go. He could handle the poison chalice at Old Trafford. Like nobody was gonna no succeed. No, no one was ever gonna follow follow that. He tried his hand in Spanish football, didn't work out, and he basically jumped on a sinking ship in Sunderland. So I, I think he's been hardened through his experiences, and I think keeping West Ham up once and then coming back and doing it again, I think he's just got that. I think he had a chip on his shoulder and a point to prove, and I think he's done that. So I think he, he, he can cope, whether the players cope, that's the thing. 
what was it he called himself? Was it? Uh, am I right in saying he called himself a serial winner, or it's it's what I do? All I do is win, or something like that. Winning is what I do. Winning is what I and do. Like, yep. If United had to give him a proper chance, United would have done a lot better than they have done. To be honest. Oh yeah. Because he proved to us, give give him the right tools, the man can make anybody a team. So. Yeah, I I think. That's that's one of those weird combinations where it just weirdly gels and weirdly fits perfectly. Um, you know the team, and this is of course no disrespect to West Ham. It has no superstars. It has no big egos or or or, or big big names that he sort of has to try and control or keep in check. Obviously, he's got excellent players across the board, but I feel like he's got a squad that really respects him and respects what he's been able to do for them as a squad. And as a club this season, like I think, going back on what you said, I think world class players. I think we've won, and I think that's Declan Rice. At that way, lad has ordered his fate, like, and Mark Noble has matured him and turned him into a great player because he's a great leader. He's a great captain. He'll be England captain someday. You can you can mark my words on that. And if he stays. He'll be captain and we should build a team around him, but it's keeping him because he is probably the only world class player in that squad. Like, how realistic do you think your chances of keeping him are? This season, I think we'll keep him because of Europe. Yeah, I don't think he said yes. I know I, I sort of hate him because he jumps up Ireland, but now I don't blame him to be honest. He just doesn't seem the type who would be like, right, I want to fight like fuck here to get this team to where they are and then go. Yeah, I don't think he's that type. But a couple wrong. I'm talking like he's my mate. But <laughs> well, uh, I'd say after the season you've had, uh, the emotions that that team's put you through, you probably feel like mates with half the squad. Ah, uh, well, yeah, I do. I have, I have a soft spot for them all. But big Thomas, he's he's my mate. Like him and Mark Noble, they're my two boys. Like the uh, Thomas Suchak is like an absolute machine of a man. He's a he's been a revelation. What like that, that's what we miss when Rice get injured because he was holding back too much. Like Rice gave him the license to go forward, and he was just—you throw anything in the air, he'll jump at it. Yeah. Put his I head on the like a dog went crazy. Yeah. Dog went crazy. Chase anything. Big time. Right. So we've covered we've covered last season. We've covered your sort of hopes and expectations for um for for West Ham for next season. We'll, we'll go back and we'll we'll go through the uh, the Instagram replies. Um, we'll keep these anonymous. As I've started to do now, because people have told me that they're they're afraid to send in because they don't want their name being read out. So we'll go through um what people have said, and we'll start with the uh, the player of the season. And there's there's a now, granted I know that one of these is a joke, but I'm gonna read out anyway. Um, the nominations. Not that this is not, I call them a nomination, as if we're gonna hand out an actual award, but. The, the people that follow the Instagram page have decided that the player of the season should be. Uh, so there was two votes for Diaz, and um, of Man City, uh, Harry Kane, Mason Mount, Stuart Dallas, and Nat Phillips. Got a mention. So, and was that for a specific position or just player of the year? No, general? no, just just player player of the season not overall. Nat Phillips. <laughs> Told you I was going to read that anyway. To be a joke or a deluded Liverpool fan because he had one good game against <laughs> West Brom. Don't worry, I know who it is. Um, he's a 
he's a diehard Liverpool fan, and I know he's just chanced his arm to get such a suggestion read out. So congratulations to you, sir. You know who you are, and uh, you're absolutely crazy. What do you think of the others then, though? Kane, Mount Dallas, and uh, Ruben Diaz? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Obviously, Diaz has been exceptional. He's been outstanding. Um, so, no doubt he deserves to be in there. Stuart Dallas. It's sort of yeah, push, it's, I, pu- it's I, pushing the boat out a wee bit, though, isn't it? To, to, like, to give it to someone like him because he's not a... Uh, a conventional uh, so to speak superstar he, he plays for a team outside of the the top six Um, but he had a cracking season I know um, no I, see I think these awards are just I think they're sort of sit one sided towards the serial winners I'd yeah. like to see the likes of a Stuart Dallas win an award like that I mean, even even in the actual awards, the, the the PFA awards, David Moyes was absolutely robbed for manager of the season, and I'm sure you're quite furious about that. Eh, uh, well, see these end of season awards, never get my hopes up because no matter how well you do, if you win the league, you win, you win, you win it, not just uh. it. Like, um, and the media just love Pat Guardiola, so <laughs> I think if City had finished third, he'd probably still have won it. Yeah. After the season, that's what so the, the next one I put up for was a goal of the season and this one only got two suggestions well there was a load of replies but there was only two answers throughout the, the, the ten or so replies that there was um, Lanzini's absolute screamer against Spurs <laughs> and uh, the Allison header so talk, talk me through the first one talk me through your experience of Witnessing that uh, Lanzini goal, did you watch it live? Were you in work or how did that play out? Right, I was in work, but um, I was using my duties as supervisor to skive and watch that match. <laughs> and I remember I was finishing work at half six, and it was about five past six. And I remember getting my phone out, and it was three two, because it actually I'd actually put my phone away. Uh, to do uh, some of my work duties that I had to get done <laughs> and the phone kept on mad in my pocket and I looked at it was 3 2 and I was fucking going to stick this on for the last few minutes and I checked the cameras the next, <laughs> I checked the cameras the next day I ran down up and down every aisle in that shop going mental <laughs> the shop was closed so it was alright um, uh, it was it was amazing but as I say I had a sore throat for about four days after like. totally worth it though what an absolute strike I think it was more because it was against Tottenham. Yeah. Yes, I was. I would celebrate a comeback like that. I, I would celebrate like that against anybody, but being being against Tottenham was just made it a bit more sweeter. Like and Mourinho. And I, I have a wee sauce pass for Jose. I do. Why? I do. I, I don't know. I just I just I just like him. I don't know why he's, he's a shit manager and a football shit. I just like him. <laughs> he, he reminds me of he's like the the Portuguese Roy Keane. Uh well, um, okay. I get the analogy. Yeah. I get the analogy. Well, if you yeah. uh, I, if you follow him on Instagram, he he quickly becomes likable. Um, yeah. I, obviously, I, I would assume that he's not doing that all by himself, and he's got a good team around him making himself look that good. But uh, when you injured what we injured at United, um, you just sort of you, you can skip the Instagram niceties and just say, nah, don't like him anymore. Yeah, I got a newfound respect for him when I watched a documentary about him on Netflix about his time, like when he was younger, 
going from Porto, to where he went. I, I swear to God, you find his back room, but he's not everybody's cup of tea. He's definitely not my mum. It's my mum absolutely despises the man. Can't even come on the TV and she's effing and blinding and looking him off the screen. That's my mum with Brent Rogers. She hates him. Really? I oh, brandy? He, Homegrown brandy? Apparently done the door to the wife. My mum doesn't like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a woman of morals. A woman of morals. Uh, the the Alison header that was just uh, that was words words can fail you at times when you try to describe that I mean what the hell was going on there the best part was I was watching that with my brother and he looked like the ground had just opened him up and swallowed him whole he was just <laughs> so devastated by the season and he just looked like a broken man and I just remember sitting there on, on the sofa on the phone and the commentator says and there's Alison's coming up for it and my brother says, some crack if he scored. <laughs> and he did. I was like, what the fuck? I, I didn't actually see it live go in because it was just, I was on the phone. I wasn't yeah. really interested, to be honest. And boom, my brother just jumped up and goes, oh my God, Alison scored. And I was like, no, he didn't. And he goes, look. And he did. And I was like, Jesus Christ. So uh, as people that uh, know me, know my family, know this podcast, will know we are, how would I put it, a staunch anti-Liverpool household. Um and the aforementioned mother of mine is perhaps the biggest Liverpool hater um, this side of the the equator we'll say and <laughs> I was in work and I got a text message that um, I can't really read out because it's laced with expletives um, that just finished with the Liverpool keeper scored followed by a few more expletives and um. I was just like, like surely not, like hardly. Do you know what I mean? The keeper doesn't score. You know what do you do? Do you hoof the ball the whole way upfield, and then I get my phone out and check Twitter. Nah, bullet header. That was it. Was a good header. It was a very very good header. Like oh god, you can't take can't take nothing away. You can't take nothing away from that. Like that was a. Uh, I wish he would teach David de Gea how to score a goal. I think if David de Gea is jumping off for anything, he need to learn how to catch. Never mind. Uh well, never mind head on I'm still fragile about that whole um that whole European final that we lost, so we'll just move uh, swiftly swiftly onwards. And we'll go Yeah, we'll just we'll just bypass that because I don't want to say anything about it because we uh, could belong with the same fate next year, so uh well what would just just to sort of you up on that. If West Ham got to the Europa League final how much of the feeling at full time would it be if you lost? Would it be heartbreak or pride? Both, obviously heartbreak, but to make it that far, surely you'd be a bit. Jesus Christ, how do we do this? Listen, we lost the FA Cup final in two thousand and six in a penalty shootout against the team that my whole family supports. <laughs> if I can get over that, I could get over losing the European Cup final because. Understood. Yes, as you said, there it would be. I have a personal pride that we even got there. Yes, I'll be devastated, but um, if I can get over the heartbreak of 2006, I'll be able to get over the heartbreak, possible heartbreak of uh, 2022. Well, we'll have that to, we'll have that to look forward to. So we'll move on now to the uh, the team of the season. I asked people what uh, what what team what uh, what team they thought was the deserved team of the season and again there was only two answers from the whole pool and one was your very own West Ham the other was Man City um, I asked people for custom 11s but there are too many to read out and it would just get 
repetitive after a while, so we'll stick with West Ham and City, and uh, I'm sure you would agree. Well, as far as standout teams go, you can't. There's no looking past City's resurgence after the, the rocky start they had. Yeah. What was it like? Eighteen games unbeaten. Ridiculous. Um. Yes, the two teams. The, the depth is ridiculous, but can't take it away from them. They're they're a great great football side. And yes, West Ham were the other stand. Everybody's ranting and raving about Leeds. Right. They got promoted and they finished in the top half. Big deal. Yeah, you know everybody's going it's, on about Bielsa this, Bielsa that. Yeah, Bielsa this, Bielsa that. Right, is his players fit? But like they can't defend. Yeah, I they're completely gassed out. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, but yes, no, I think West Ham City will prefer, and it's not, it's not, it's me taking my West Ham hat off. I think nobody expected us to do that, and nobody expected City to win the league as comfortable as they did in the end. How often do you take West Ham hat off? How often do you take the West Ham hat off? Well, I like to say I'm quite fair and honest because everybody still to this day gives me grief and says that we're shite. And I says, I know we're shite, but I'm yeah. still going to back us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the uh, the last last category here is the, the match of the year. So I asked people what which game that they watched um, that was the most gripping or the most entertaining throughout the course of the season and I have a handful here so the first one actually comes from the uh, the opening weekend of the season uh, Leeds versus Liverpool do you remember that game? Yep I think it was me sent that one in Yeah there was there was you and someone else sent that in in fact see the person so you sent that in and someone else sent that in and you also sent in Ruben Diaz for player of the season and yeah. the same person that said the Leeds game also said Ruben Diaz, so you're of a uh, similar thinking. That's it. Um, yeah, no, that game was brilliant. It's very, very good, very entertaining. It was great to see Leeds has come out with their tails up against the champions. Yes, they lost in the end, but it was just a very entertaining game to be honest. It was. It, it sort of it set the standard, didn't it? It did. Yeah, it's great. The uh, the next one that uh, I'm reluctant to read out, but I will is uh, Liverpool's four two victory over United. I was a I was a dead game match. It was a man talking about but I I didn't even watch it. No, it uh, Dean Henderson really showed his hand that night. Aye, for Dino, I I rate Dino a lot. Like I think he he he'd be a great keeper for maybe a lesser side. Yeah, I think a a a move similar to what Lingard had, because I mean that move to West Ham for Lingard was absolutely phenomenal. It done wonders for his career obviously he missed out in the Euros which is a bit unfortunate for him but uh, I thought it was a bit of a, a bit of a shit one that Trent Alexander-Arnold went out on the side for Ben Wyden I think Lingard deserved the case like he had enough defenders so uh, I is there. definitely um, Villa 7 Liverpool 2 that one was an absolute jaw dropper I still have no words for it to be honest I, uh, I have a couple of um Villa fans in my uni class over in Derby and um, they they like to reference that shall we say I'd say so that's when uh, Ollie Watkins made Van Dyke look like a wet paper towel that was great <laughs> Ollie Watkins coming from the championship and turning the best central defender in the world at the time inside out was a sight to behold yeah well the, uh, the they're linked now with Buendia from North so uh if if Watkins can do it, 
uh, and Villa signed Buendia as well. That uh, that Villa side uh, is not to be underestimated. It'll tell you that much. As far as I know, that Buendia thing is a done deal. That's what makes it even funnier is that Villa beat Arsenal to him. Yeah, that's... So, I don't know whether that says more about um, Villa on the up or Arsenal Arsenal on the decline, but uh, hopefully the latter because I'm I'm nowhere close to even being sympathetic towards Arsenal. No, definitely not. Um, the the final game on the list then United six and Leeds two. Uh, that one was it was good to finally score six goals in the game and be on the right side of the result. Um, obviously, Spurs put six passes at Old Trafford, and that was completely humiliating. I'm surprised nobody said there. I'm not going to mention the the Tottenham game. I wouldn't do it on you. You've invited me on. I'm going to be nice. I'm surprised nobody mentioned the United Southampton game, the nine nil. Uh, but to me, that's not entertaining because that's just one uh, side yeah. scoring goals. No, you, you need a bit of. Um, I know we do have a seven two and a six two here, but the seven two for Villa was just entertaining the whole way through because people were like, "Holy shit, how is this happening?" The United 6-2 Leeds game was just um, some wild football. But as you said, the likes of the opening uh, the opening match of the season, the Leeds-Liverpool game, and the closer games are always the more interesting one. Yeah, like there's sometimes I match football and there's a 0-0, a couple of the best game on match of the day, which sounds, sounds odd. No but if you have two good teams, Gunningford, and, there's an, and it ends up 0-0, but there's close chances the whole way through. And again, games are fast too, but they're few and far between. I think Le- there was a stat, something along the lines of Leeds drew with every team in the top six. You know, that's just like they, were, they didn't beat them. They, they weren't, uh, at least once, I think it was. Um, I think it was at home, is what I'm trying to say. Every time Leeds played one of the top six at home, they drew with them. And I think it just goes to show that, that a lot of people don't like that sort of Bielsa ball that, as we were talking about earlier, that sprinting flat out, that. A sort of high intensity, high pace for the full 90, 95 minutes, whatever it is. But uh, they've been in quite a few uh, um, entertaining games. Looking blue away a few times, though, as well. Oh, I know it, it can bite you in the arse, like. Aye, by time. Uh, they're great side to watch. I, I don't mind Leeds. I was one of the people for years that were looking them to come up. But I think, unless they make some good signings, I think they'll just fall. I think they might do a Sheffield United. Yeah, but that, that was that was unfortunate for Sheffield this year as well. I will fuck. Forget my language, fuck Sheffield United, I can't stand them. <laughs> Any particular reason? I sure they tried to get us point deduction when they got relegated years ago because we bought Tavis, the most illegal signing in Premier League history. They sort of blamed us for them going down. So dry your eyes, get over it. His were shed. We scored. We stayed up. So... <laughs> Go there ahead. we go. You've you, you've got that off your chest finally after all these years. I have, I have, yes. Right. So, uh, that's it. Uh, we've been through uh my shame of who I said was going to get relegated. Um, I don't even want to call the brag about saying City would win. You know, just take. Oh, that's that's the last thing I meant to say. Um, and I have to acknowledge this because it's the one thing I put my neck out on the line for. Uh, at the start of the season. And it was it was the one bold sort of take I had over the whole thing, and I would be annoyed at myself if I didn't mention this. And I have to hold my hands up and say I was wrong. I I said Aberton would finish fifth, and I got I got a 
I got a bit of jip when the whole thing came out and I just took it and said, listen, we'll see how things go. Everton went on a flan run for about a month or so, maybe a month and a half, two months. And I was thinking, listen, like they're not going to stay up up, up top, like, but you know, they could sort of link around that fifth, sixth spot and they'd look pretty good here. And of course that ended up not happening. So I hold my hands up. I was wrong. I was hopeful I was going to be right for a while, but it, uh, it didn't happen. Hi, Everton. We're... They just battled it like that after Christmas. And Ancelotti was just like, well, I'm out of there. And of course, he's away back to Madrid now, which I think is absolutely scandalous. Ancelotti, one of the first people to come out and say things about the Super League, and then he went and joined the ringleaders. Money talks, doesn't it? That's crazy. Um, But listen, Adam, uh, we're, we're at the end now. And as I said at the start, well, uh, you have your Euro sidecast coming out. Uh, episode 2 is coming out a little bit this week or is coming out this week tell us a little bit more about it just before we finish here right so well, I had a bit of feedback on our main podcast that sometimes me and Sean went off on a tangent and talked too much about football which you know yourself you start talking about sports you can't stop yep. Um. so with this thought tell you what well, we'll just do a break off one here for the for the Euros um, so that's what we've done we've got a new logo made Um. And we're just going to record every Wednesday for that. Uh, it will continue on after the Euros, and we will keep it a midweek uh, sportcast or sidecast. We haven't really decided on the proper name for it yet, like, but uh, we're going to focus on the Premier League, and then we're always always going to discuss another sport. So we're always going to look up like a random sport. Oh, very good. Every week, yeah, random sport of the week or biggest sporting moment outside of football. No week segments like that. Yeah, so good. it's just. Just for anybody who's savvy with by sports or interested in sports, just go over and give it a wee listen. Uh, as I say, we're recording episode two on Wednesday night here, so looking forward to that, and hopefully we'll try and get you on over the course of it as well. Absolutely, Nick. definitely would uh, would enjoy that very much. And your um your logos are class, by the way. The whole the whole setup looks great. I shared out to Shay Duffy for the logos. Uh, we had an idea in our head in the original one. And um, I just sent him the idea and he came up with that. It was great. Happy days. So, good man, Shay. Right, listen, that is, uh, that's the end of this episode anyway. Uh, as I said, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed it. No worries. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm now going to try play with this new toy roadcaster I have and try play the intro out while we're on live here. So, folks, listen... As I said, go give Adam and Sean a follow uh, at ASAP underscore podcast. Keep an ear and an eye out for their uh, Eurocast coming out. And I myself will have a, a, a Euros preview at some stage this week with a lock of boys. So uh, once again, thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you all in the uh, the next episode of the McLaugh Podcast. Cheers. <laughs>